Boyle Sports has it all. Moneyback meetings every day. UK and Irish racing live streaming. Extra places and Moneyback All Losers offers. And a Bet 10 Get 20 welcome offer. Boyle Sports, this is betting. Welcome to the latest episode of Off The Fence, brought to you in association with Ball Sports, but of course you know that by now. This is our national wrap-up show and of course looking ahead to air on Saturday as well. So plenty to get into in this show and dramatic weekend in our sport of horse racing, I think it's fair to say, but we're going to be dissecting it with the boys as always. Before we go any further, please do hit subscribe on our YouTube page. That way you won't miss a single episode of Off The Fence and this one in particular is going to be a cracker. So let's get stuck straight in. Um, quick hellos, Barry Geraghty, how are you? We're over in Aintree. How did you enjoy your trip to Liverpool? Oh, brilliant. Great few days. Uh, brilliant racing. Um, Obviously, the national was a uh, it was a heated race, we'd say beforehand, but um, brilliant result with the with the winner. Absolutely, we are going to talk about that in due course. And Tony, you were watching from over in Ireland, and um, how did you enjoy the three days as a whole? Oh, as a whole, very good. Um, the, the 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 national and the aftermath. Oh God. Um, nearly stressful looking at some of the stuff and all, all the things that's happening afterwards. Much rather to be talking about the the races and the performances and things like that but so much other stuff going on but I, I suppose it's just part of life and we, we'll have a chat about it shortly I'm sure. Absolutely and as you say um, you know we try and focus in on the horses and the action actually on the track on this show but there's no getting away from all of the action that happened away from the track and away from the actual results when you're focusing in on Aintree and the Grand National specifically. So let's get stuck straight in. Of course, Corrick Rambler won and we will get to his performance in due course. But as Tony and Barry have already touched upon, dramatic moments before the race with the protesters and a lot of fallout afterwards. Um, Barry, we will talk about the performance of the horse, which was absolutely brilliant shortly. But in terms of being at the track and those moments before the race took place and then the comment and the discussion and the debate that's happened afterwards, as we sit here now a few days, you know, the dust has settled. What are your thoughts? Where is your head at when you're looking at the Grand National of 2023? Yeah, well, I was in the parade ring um, when the delay started and you could see the horses, some horses were sweating up and getting on their toes um, and then there was some taken out and we, we had a wait, we were 15 minutes or so waiting and then the jockeys came in and it was very much get-go after that. Um, but there was, you know, I could imagine in the way room the level of uncertainty when you're waiting, will we get out, will we not? It's a little bit like the bomb scare from years ago. Um, you know, as I said, that uncertainty would cause a serious level of tension and anxiety amongst riders, especially the younger generation, if you like, the older lads, um, maybe more able to take it. But um, yeah, there was definitely, there was a build up there. Um, like that, then you had horses who were very much on edge and onto the track and away you go. So it was, I suppose the atmosphere fueled itself from the back of that, from the back of the delay and the tension, as I mentioned. And then you have the off go the field down over the first two fences. Um, where you had eight horses unseated or fell at the first two fences, where there was 17 horses unseated or fell in the previous nine years. So I think that's a reflection of where everyone was really 
both horses and riders and that led you know then you had loose horses as a result of that I think it fueled it all Hill 16 obviously took that fatal fall at the first fence and um, he'd had 26 runs previous to that he had never fallen he unseated once when badly hampered um, and he'd been second and seventh in the previous two beacher chases with no mistake so he was a proven jumper and he fell at the first so you know occasion I would imagine had got to him as well so it was a real pity and it was sad for everyone um, but the protesters you know what they actually caused was what they were trying to avoid so it was it was it was a real pity for everyone absolutely I mean it's funny because you were there on track and you've um, expressed what it was like there uh, well but I mean I, I, I think when you were watching it on the television it was probably quite a different experience it almost felt more tense because of course you can see the shots of the protesters it was very dramatic whereas I guess when you're on course you know you don't have access to those shots you're not entirely sure you know there's a delay because of protesters but I would imagine you personally wouldn't have had any idea of how bad or not so bad those protesters were yeah, you were getting glimpses on the phones, really, ITV on the phones. Uh, I was looking at it over Nick Luck's shoulder at one stage as well, um, trying to get a bit, but there was a bit of chat um, around the parade and what was happening, but there was no mention as regards anyone knowing when the race was going to, was going to happen. We were trying to figure out how long can, can they wait, what time was, was, uh, was dusk, which was, I think, about a quarter past eight, so you were half an hour before that. We kind of felt we had two hours. So everyone was, was really anxious and worried and waiting to see what would happen, but no one really knew. Yeah, fascinating. And from your point of view now, looking forward, have you been surprised by how big the comment, debate and discussion has been in the aftermath of the race? Have you, were you surprised at how much this has blown up, basically, since Saturday? Well, I suppose not surprised, but only not surprised because that's that's how life goes, you know, and they latch onto a story and, and it creates and, and it flows from there. But in recent years, in the last 14 or 15 months, both Bobsworth um, and Kicking King passed away um, after suffering injuries while living in the field. So the land of milk and honey isn't a safe place either. Um, so no matter where your horse is, be it in the field or where the protesters would like them roaming wild, there is no safety in that. So everyone does their best in racing to make racing as safe as it can be. And those levels have improved no end in recent years, especially in the last 20 years. But um, yeah, it's a pity for everyone, but um, no, I think this racing has to be proud and stand up for what it is and what it represents. Absolutely, well said. Um, Tony, I'm very keen to move the conversation and the comment forward, to look forward. Um, where do you think racing should go direction-wise from this point? What, what should we be putting out there and how should we be putting it out there? Well, I suppose a very natural response is to get angry, maybe, with, with what's going on. Um, I'm not sure that's that's the best response. You find yourself pushed and pulled reading the, the sides of this, and people are very kind of entrenched on it. You're talking about watching it on TV and things like that. I was watching it on racing TV, and I thought um, Dan Skelton, I don't know, was this really widely shared, or was there much said about his interview, but he was on with Lydia Hislop um, as the kind of delay was going on. And I thought a lot of what he said, uh, you know, I would align kind of with my own thoughts on the thing. Um, like, like, absolutely, there has to be the right to, to protest in, in democratic society. Um, if you don't have that, sure, you know, how do, how do things progress in, in many ways? Um, and I'd respect the, the people's views on banning horses and banning the Grand National. I don't agree with them one iota, but they're, they're entitled to express them in a peaceful fashion there, maybe at the, the front gate of 
of, of entry and that but they, obviously when they start um, jumping fences and putting ladders up and trying to you know get in on the fences and things like that the, the security massively needs kind of to intervene uh, i think kind of in the aftermath what's, what's kind of come across uh, from some of the activists that have been do, doing the media and things like that is and the social media is there is a lack of understanding there of the sport and there is a willingness i, I suppose to throw out a lot of misleading uh, figures and accounts and things that, that don't really stand up um to scrutiny and I've also seen maybe some people in racing maybe saying we should be thinking about educating uh, the activists and things like that. I, I just I can't wrap my head around that one at all. Um, I think both sides, the that side of things are, are very kind of entrenched in their views and to offering to take them into racing yards and show them how well you know racing does welfare, it's just not going to wash. They have their views, they're if they're expressing them peacefully, fine. If they're not expressing them peacefully, the authorities need to step in but however i do think what what, what racing kind of needs to do um is is kind of question these these activists uh, on some of the stuff um like, like the, the the logic if you pursue it to its final end is to just want eradication of thoroughbreds um like, like to me that doesn't seem really um in sitting well with their their kind of professed love of nature and stuff like that and, and love of animals um so, so that would be a, obviously a point of a question, but certainly what racing needs to be doing, I suppose, is to target maybe the middle, which is the vast, vast majority of people. Like the vast majority of people, um, to me, are, are quite neutral on racing. They're not obsessive fans of it like myself, and they're not uh, totally against it, um, like animal raising and some of these things. And all we can kind of do is try to uh, present the best side of racing and try and convince them that we're doing things right. And look, at uh, this man has gotten a ton of praise, and I, I just like that good, like Kevin Blake and, uh, and Richard Hiles as well. They've done some brilliant stuff on this over the last while. They've been very rational, very kind of fact-based against people maybe who aren't just being as rational and fair-minded and fact-based in, in what they're doing. Now, I would say at the minute, like, Racing is probably winning this debate. They are getting the public support. Like, what whether there were a couple of hundred people outside entry protesting, and however many thousand attended the fixture over the three days, like one figure dwarfs the other. And also, back in Ireland here in recent weeks, uh, University College Cork had a the Vegan Society there put forward a petition where um, they wanted promotion of the student race days banned in the college, and, and that succeeded. But as far as I know, there were only a couple of hundred names on that petition, whereas over 50,000 have attended um, the, the student race days at the various places, the Tremors and the Limericks and the Leopardstowns over the last um, month or so. So again, you're, you're winning that, but um, you have to keep kind of winning it, I suppose. Right, you have to work hard to maintain that, um, and all racing can kind of do is to, is, is to kind of keep doing things right, present your arguments fairly. Um, don't you can't hide the fact that horses die. They do, but you want to be factually accurate there, as Barry has mentioned. They're at, they're also at risk if they're going to be out in the field, um, and also the kind of level of care that they get. And we have to kind of, and also we always have to keep pushing improving welfare, whether it be equine or human. We've seen a case there in the last couple of days where maybe the human side of things wasn't been managed well enough, and that needs to be watched. And you have to sort of say that when, when this has been done wrong, um, call it out and, and say so. Now, just my final thing is it uh, is over the coming months, and I'm sure leading into entry next year, I, I am concerned about, um, like, is this now going to be kind of an ongoing problem? Uh, like, to me, if I'm on the, the, the animal raising side of things, I, I think this is the, the greatest PR bonanza of, of all time, what ha was happening last week or so. 
Jesus, like you couldn't buy the publicity that they've they've, they've gotten, um, and if anything, that's going to kind of drive them on. So I, I hope that the race courses are are kind of ready for this, um, are kind of prepared for this, um, because to me, it's it, it is only going to get more extreme, and um, yeah, obviously it, it's disastrous spoiling race course days and people's days and all this, but you know, it, it actually could be quite dangerous. Like I, I just I did have a thought after it, like the. The atmosphere, the entry now, like a lot of places, you can fairly rowdy. Um, you know, if someone maybe the crowd could interacting with some of these protesters, it, it could turn quite nasty. So just the race course are going to need to be aware of that into the summer and back coming around for Liverpool next year. Yeah, absolutely, and I think a lot of people have, um, well, people who have made that point would be focusing as well towards Epsom and the Derby. Obviously, another extraordinarily high-profile race, but with a lot of common public ground around it so I mean race course as you say Tony are going to really have to be across that shall we talk I'm sure they will be but shall we talk about the performance itself because of course Corrick Grambler essentially bolted up in a Grand National which happens pretty rarely wonderfully handicapped wonderfully trained owned by a syndicate you've heard the story by now trainers came down their camper van stayed on site with their dogs Peter Skewmore, Lucinda Russell, I don't think there's any more charming uh, sort of likeable trainers out there in the UK anyway when it comes to racehorses. Um, so many lovely threads to this story, Barry, but the performance itself, when you actually watch it back, put aside all the politics and everything else, the horse never missed a beat really round there and that's some effort and the handicapping of this horse, the training, just can you give your view on that please now? You know, this horse has improved now when though, <clears throat> he put in a workman like performance to win the ultimate last season, uh, he was never on the bridle, this year he travelled and he won impressively and he pulled up when he got to the front, he didn't do a stroke when he got there so he was £10 well in officially but he improved no end from last season to this season and his performances have matched that as well then so what he actually did in the National himself like he was the only horse who was travelling well yes, the only horse because not many horses ever travelled like he did turning in and down the straight and would have got to the front for me an hour too soon for Derek's mm -hmm. sake but he travelled away well in front got around the elbow and then you could see him like Cheltenham having a little jink and a duck and he was pulling up but when he hit the line he had his ears fully pricked he was full of running so he was in great shape but he has improved throughout the season and it was a brilliant performance no horse travelled like him um, I thought Vanillier no Yates scared him as Neil there came from way off the pace probably struggled to go the pace and, and Noble Yates has been pushed along for a lot of the race and still seemed to finish so he put in a brilliant performance under his weight especially but the winner was the one um, and it was a standout performance um, it'll be interesting to see what penalty he gets for it um, and what route he'll take to try and get back to uh, to follow up with success again next year and Barry, a word from you on Derek Fox in my ramble there. I didn't even mention him as part of the story, really. But, of course, the few days slash weeks that he's had in the run-up to the National, being injured, coming to Aintree with such good rides aboard Ahoy Senor, Apples Away, and, of course, Corrick Rambler. He decides to say no-no to the first two. I'm going to come back for the National ride. To have that confidence and conviction as a jockey that's surely a pretty rare mindset to have. Yeah, well, I'd say he was that restricted by his injury. He had a collarbone injury, um, and I'd say he couldn't risk riding anything else for the fear if he got a fall on it, he was going to be gone. 
Um, so he, he sacrificed all for the big one and it worked out for him and he was brilliant on him and he's a brilliant rider he's a great horseman he's won the national before you've seen him ride Cheltenham winners he's a brilliant rider and it's great success um, lovely calm quiet fella um, and he gave the horse a beautiful ride so no brilliant for him to get back nine days after you know as I said damaging his collarbone it was, it was, it was a brilliant turnaround for him Tony a, how good a performance was it in terms of Grand Nationals in recent years? But B, how good a horse is Corrick Rambler going to end up being? Um, very hard to know now. The second question, it is such a unique test. Um, and I just don't like to, to, to overreact too much to it. Um because it is so different to other races. I wouldn't be the greatest now. I haven't got the ratings in front of me in terms of performance and, and the fact that he was £10 well in was obviously a massive help. Um, again, like Barry, I, I would credit the ride there an awful lot because he has been this, um, I suppose, extreme hold-up horse in maybe his races over the park fences, but he was Derek Fox was quite kind of happy to hold him up in the forefront of mid-division, if you like, um, you know, not getting into too much bother, kind of uh, deeper in the field. So that that part of it was was an impressive kind of tactical change, if you like. Um, like Barry said, he, uh, he was in front a, a long way out, having absolutely powered through the race, and he was probably far and away the best horse. But I do I do think Vanilla, and to a lesser extent, Gaillard de Mani left a little bit on the table here. Um, Vanilla looked at the, the ride in the sense that it was down the inside, I think was it was a good idea. It's brave to go down the inside, but you nearly have to these days be kind of middle to inside, or at least gradually work your way across to the inner, because um, you're just losing too much ground doing otherwise and uh, ground saving right there in the early part of the race. Now, Vanilla, he didn't just jump quite as fluently at heart on the second circle. He was losing kind of quarter length, half a length kind of advances. And he did get a little bit of hampering. Um, I think it was just after Finehaven the second time round. But I still think Sean Flanagan should have been getting after him um, a little bit earlier. I think what with the sectional times here, I think he was 1.8 seconds, kind of eight or nine lengths quicker than the winner over the last two forms. Amazing kind of figure for a staying chaser. Now, I'm not saying for a second that Derek Fox's amount would not have pulled out more, but just for a horse to have that amount of running in, I would say Sean Flanning was probably a bit annoyed with himself that he didn't get after the horse that stays very well a little bit sooner. Paul Town and Gayard de Mani, they kind of moved the switch out. Um, and then back in was a little bit strange and that, that comes at a cost as well so he, he was probably a little bit better than the form but loads of other horses came at the credit with good runs down the field like the big dog he raced wide for a lot gradually kind of edged his way and he's had a brilliant season he's been actually credit to connections all season when the Limerick National Tritown running well and the Irish Gold Cup went fall and um, excellent run here some of the smaller Irish yards had a couple of horses run deadly races um, thought Barnby to see he could easily win the four if he hadn't got hampered off the elbow and um, Roy Maj as well went well for a long way again also having raced wide but um, yeah it, it where does um, Corrick Rambler fit in uh, I don't know I think with Noble Yates last season um, and he, he has improved again this season just a step back down and trip to Gold Cup and three mile races yeah maybe you could win one but can you win a real top class keenly contested one uh, I'm not so sure okay I think that's yeah fair comment. I think I'd agree with you with that. Barry, let's talk about some of the other big performances from the week. Um, Shishkin in the Aintree Bowl, of course. Um, I mean, this horse, from the horse that he was when he was bolting up in two mile chases to the horse that he seems to have become in recent year, in recent runs, should I say, specifically in the last few months, 
his his demeanor, his way of racing has changed so much because now I'm thinking he's he's become quite lazy, has he? He has, but I, I think it's probably unfair to judge him on his Cheltenham run, especially. Um, but this is his third run back in a quick enough space of time, so I'm not fully sure we even saw the best of Shishkin. Um, I think his 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 run to beat Pink Dory by sixteen lengths in the Ascot Chase. That's the best of Shishkin. So. That's what he needs to reproduce to win a King George. Um, and I don't see any reason why he shouldn't or couldn't. Um, a high senior pressed on at the back of two out. Um, obviously a good stare, but he was actually outstayed in the death by Shishkin. So um, I'd say Shishkin's class came to the fore. And maybe there is potential for him to step up in trip for a Gold Cup with the way he stayed on again towards the last and over the line. Um, so there's definitely, I think there's a smarter performance in Shishkin. Um, but he probably proved beyond doubt how well he really stays with how he stayed on to win on uh, at the last week. Okay, well, if that's the case then, Tony, if he does really stay, as Barry seems to think he does, and he showed last week, is he a Gold Cup horse for the future next season, bar the King George? Is this what we're looking at now with Shishkin? I think he's just a little bit old um, for those type of races. Um, again, excellent training performance to get him back. I, I would have been very questioning of that. I kind of think this, the best horse might have been second here. Uh, Barry mentioned mm. a high senior pressed on quite early here. Uh, made a bit of a mistake at the last. And that's him. He does make lots of mistakes. Um, I just I just thought he shaped just a bit best. Um, credit him. He was, I think, his sixth runner of the season. And he's running all these races, King George's and... Gold Cups and racing Cheltenham there in January, even back starting at the Charlie Hall. Uh, so I think the count themselves a little bit of hard luck that he he, he didn't come out on top. But yeah, Shishkin, I, I I just don't know. Um, what do you have the pace for Brave Man's Game and galloping the Champs with how he's racing currently? Obviously back on his previous form, he would. But um, I think they're a little bit better at the moment, and then there's possibly one or two to come out of the novices as well that might just have the legs in them. Okay, I just want to slip in just one final voice in your question to you, Tony, then, because you know I'm a big fan of his. I mean, he makes those mistakes. Without, he's clearly got a huge engine. If he was to put it all together for one day, one race next season in this division, where do you think that might be with him? Is a oh, Gold Cup unrealistic is what I'm asking yeah, you? I, I, yeah, I think it is, because you're just going to get a big okay. field. I think th th this is the race. A three spring, nice ground seem to suit him every year, flat track. Um, you can possibly get away with a mistake here when there's only there, there only tends to be the four or five runners, because the Gold Cup recent years always tends to be a double-figure field, um, and you'll always have something kind of nipping at your heels. But again, the, the, there, is a, there is a big performance in him, I think, uh, maybe back here again next year. Okay. Come on, Ahoy, Senor. Not losing faith just yet. Uh, Barry, let's talk all things Constitution Hill. Obviously in the entry hurdle, up in trip. We discussed it on the show. Uh, the superstar, we wanted to see another special performance from him. And at one stage, I thought he was going to win by 10 or 15. It wasn't quite, in the end, the winning distance many people would have hoped. But the performance itself was still pretty impressive, even by his lofty standards. Uh, what comment can you add other than, marvellous, we love Constitution Hill? <laughs> Not an awful lot. Uh, no, it was, it was a great <laughs> performance. Um, Nico chose just to keep out of trouble, keep it simple, roll along. He went steady, you could say, probably for the first circuit or, or the most of it. But you could see the horse actually as he went down the back straight, he stepped up in the gears himself and pressed on. He just got racing um, and then actually steadied in the home straight. 
um, after doing that and he coasted home he was only going through the motions Nico was having a peep up at the big screen he was only doing as much as he had to do it, it didn't have the same zip and punch if you like that uh, it had in Cheltenham but it was a very different race and I'd say the fact he opened up that little bit down the back straight just maybe took a little bit of fizz out of him in the straight and as I say he just rolled down on his own time and just did as much as he had to do so it was um it was a beautiful performance to watch it was probably a lot easier for me as a spectator to watch mm-hmm. than Cheltenham um, because it was so it was very safe looking um, but no very good performance nice way for him to finish off the season and it'll be interesting to see what, what route they take next season oh come on you know I'm going to push you on that Barry so you might as well just give a little bit more now can we expect him to go over fences what have you heard or is he going to stay hurdling give us the intel he's going he's going to school over fences soon um, and there's lots of people who've put their name in the hat to be able to go to witness this school and <laughs> session but um, there isn't going to be many there if any so uh, Nico Nico was telling me how when they schooled Alty over fences first time it was himself and the governor were there he said so it would probably be something similar with Constitution Hill um, but I would imagine he won't have a problem especially on the schooling ground but I wouldn't see him having any problem with jumping a fence he schooled he ran a pint of pint and he schooled here as a youngster um, so it shouldn't be an issue for him um, but it's whether they choose to go that route, um, the champion hurdle would look very tempting to keep back for that. So a um, bit of deciding is going to have to be done there, but uh, great to have the options. Okay, on we roll, on we roll. Uh, Jerry Colom, Tony, sort of righted the wrong of Cheltenham, some might, might say, in the mild May chase. And now he's a second pri- he's his second favourite in the 2024 Gold Cup, if I can get my words out. Um do you think he's a genuine Gold Cup contender for next year if Gallopin de Champs continues on the path he's on? Yeah, he is a contender. Um, he'd have the right profile. I thought this was visually very good, jumped well, travelled well, did things right. Uh, only doing, I suppose, what, what you would expect him to do. Um, the second favourite bronze jumping didn't hold up at all. I think he'd made about two or three significant mistakes and another two or three maybe small ones along with that. So he, he didn't really have much to beat. Um, but visually, I suppose he, he travelled better. Uh, the ground by that point wasn't too bad, um, which would give promise that he's already handled Cheltenham um, to a point. So, yeah, of course, he, he would certainly have a chance in the Gold Cup. The weather he's kind of probably shortened up enough now into, into second favourite um, on the back of a, a race that he should have won. I'm not so sure. Barry, would you concur those thoughts with Jerry Colomb? Yeah, I probably would. Um, I thought it was a, a smarter performance at Cheltenham. He seemed to travel better. Um, than he did even though it's a sharper track if you like but um, no good performance but uh, it will be another step for him to take Gallop and the Champs scalp but um, this was definitely it was, a, it was a good step forward okay step in the right direction we want a competitive Gold Cup and I'm sure that's how it will build next season uh, Tony any other business elsewhere um, saw a couple of smart bumper performances but also another year on another Aintree Grand National Festival another excellent training performance from Paul Nichols with Pick Dory we've been here before with a horse like this with him yeah, absolutely, and I suppose it does confirm that Shishkin's big performance of the season was Ascot. That this horse was able to come out and, and kind of back that up. But it was, yeah, it was, you know, peak Paul Nichols again, winning Grade Ones with, you know, a horse that probably isn't gonna, he isn't gonna win a, an ultra competitive Grade One, but he placed them very well, and you wouldn't be one bit surprised if if he did likewise um, again next season. Uh, another horse there, I, th- I think you'd have to give a mention to the Liverpool Hurdle winner Sayer de Berle, um on Saturday. 
Um, usually, I think Gordon Elliott said he has one big performance in him and <laughs> a, 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 a season. And I'm sure Mark Walsh was thinking after about half a mile, well, he says, look, which wasn't it a great day in, in, in Cheltenham type of thing. But no, he... he um, he kind of got going again. That that Liverpool hurdle tends to be a real slog. I think it sometimes, in some ways, it's even uh, a stiffer test um, than the stairs hurdle. I know one times it, it certainly takes a little bit longer, but um, yeah, an excellent kind of rallying performance out of him. I, I think he was probably the only one in it that really kind of paced efficiently. I think the rest of them are all kind of slowing up markedly in the closing stages. Uh, closing stages. Murray's Rock ran very well. Um, I'm sure Nico de Bainville got some shock now when he's seen your man coming on the outside because he seemed to he said to God God help him because I'm sure he thought he had absolutely everything co- covered at that stage and so I don't think there's any doubt that she you know stayed the three mile trip probably even improved for it um, and you know there should be no issue with going for those races with her next season not all of them are run kind of in in, in such an attritional fashion. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry, yeah. I, the, oh, sorry, and the one other the one other one sorry the, the you're asking about bumper performance and stuff like that. I thought Dai Sardinos was a was a very good winner of the mayor's bumper, kind of in a sharp time. Uh, he's kind of been kept a decent ground so far, but was beaten, uh, not saying necessarily the pick of the Irish bumper mayors, but certainly some of the better ones uh, and was visually very good um, in winning this one. Okay, yeah, that covers up a few of the... Can't, we can't go into all these big races. We'd be here all night. But obviously, Barry, we should mention the novice hurdling division. We saw Irish Point win over the mid-div trip. Uh, in the pocket, win over two miles. And Apples away over the staying trip. Um, for a variety of owners, trainers and jockeys, great to see. In the pocket, obviously, backing up the, ch- um, the supreme form, Irish point, good result for Davey. But uh, away from the obvious, were there any performances out of those novice hurdlers that you were really taken with? Anything you want to give a mention to? Yeah, but as you mentioned, um, you know, in the pocket, within a good performance, Irish point, likewise. Uh, strong leader, though, was a horse who I was really impressed with. He's also liked all season, but I think he could make a smart chase for next season. Um, stay away Faye and Oroco probably paid the price for tough races at the festival but just going back to the novice chasers I thought John Bond was very impressive in the two mile novice clocked a really good time and for me visually that was his best performance of the year and likewise Banbridge put up a good show against St. Roy and I thought if you were to pick one there maybe I think we saw the winner of the Gala Plate in maybe Visionarian oh okay bold early shout just throw that in like it okay <laughs> good to know Barry wasn't expecting that um Barry, let's stick with you because we've already mentioned Irish Point and what a good result it was for the man in the saddle, Davy Russell. Uh, Groundhog Day, retiring again. We, we know the story by now. Um, but to be fair, we, we've given him the big chat on this show when he originally retired. We don't need to go over old ground. People can go and watch that back on our YouTube channel. But it was great to see him go out with the send-off someone like Davy Russell deserves, right, Barry? Absolutely, it was brilliant. Um, he obviously didn't get the luck he was hoping for in Cheltenham, and you know he he had a quiet retirement. You could say back during the winter, so um, caught more than more than myself by surprise. But it was great to see him get the level of success that he had at the festival this year at Aintree. Um, two good wins. Probably would have rather not to have fallen out the back door at Galvin at the first in the Grand National. I'm sure he would have liked to have signed off in style there, but you aren't going to get two fairy tales uh, one year after the other. But um, I'm sure he's very happy with how his week went to get those two good grade one winners. Yeah, and hopefully that's it now. He's gone out on his high. Happy <laughs> days for Davy. Uh, Tony, one last word on Davy from you. 
Yeah, just uh, as again we covered a lot of, uh, of his achievements in the last time round, but I, I'd say now he hasn't had an easy last uh, three or four weeks anyway there. Look, look I, I'd say the strong impression that, that physically in Cheltenham he, he just wasn't fit for it. Um, carrying injuries and carrying knocks and all that type of stuff. And, and I'd say, look, he, he was coming back to do Gordon Elliott a bit of a favour. Now, I know he was getting something out of it himself, but... Um, you know, it, it definitely didn't work out for him at Cheltenham, and I'd say Gordon Elliott was probably saying to himself, "Why the hell did they ask him back? Put him kind of in that spot." But but he certainly rated that be putting him on a few two, you know, very fancy runners too that were, were very ready and um, got the job done. So kind of as I say, rate, rated maybe the wrongs at Cheltenham and, and things like that made amends. This meeting is definitely becoming a, a kind of a target meeting for Gordon Elliott. I think this was the first time I've, I've heard him mention that we're coming here to avoid Willie Mullins. Um, he, he did speci- he, he did specifically say that after Irish Point League. He says there, there's a fella back in Ireland, you know, that we be facing into at Punchestown next week. So, um, yeah, I, I think we know what's coming from <laughs> from Tuesday on um, back in, in at Punchestown with Gordon Elliott already kind of saying, look, I, I'm starting to aim a bit more to Liverpool. Oh, I mean, it's it's predictable, but a little depressing, isn't it, to hear that? But of course, why wouldn't you avoid uh, the juggernaut that is Team Mullins next week? So I don't blame them in any sense. Uh, Tony, before we move on to a very brief look at air for Saturday, in case we've got anything to flag up there, um, obviously amid all the Aintree excitement, etc., there was a case early on in the week with Sean Curran and this horse, Aces Full, um, got quite a lot of, lot of press at the time because it was a, a, a bizarre case where the horse was withdrawn just minutes before the off due to some odd betting patterns. Um, I suppose it's kind of been quickly forgotten about in the general uh, racing press because of Aintree. But I did just want to give you the opportunity to reflect on that because rightly so, I think many people flagging up that this sets a, a, a little bit of a bizarre precedent going forward. Yes, um, I think that's the thing that stands out. It, it really was unprecedented move, forcing a withdrawal of a horse um, so late in the day and for reasons that are, I suppose are unclear. The only thing um, that really can not even close to it, but in the same wheelhouse of it, there were a couple of kind of pre-race inquiries um, back in kind of summer of 2019 into some of the Irish yards running horses in England where... Um, you know the the stewards were asking questions beforehand um, about market moves and maybe tactics and, and and what was planned and things like that. Now, there's been no mention of that happening um, since. I do wonder is that kind of move behind closed doors and that it's it's gone on, but they're they're just not mentioned. I actually uh, I might be in a minority of one here. I actually like that as an approach. Um, I I think it's a bloody good deterrent to anyone who's kind of thinking of doing something they shouldn't be doing. It's a bit like seeing a speeding van going along the road. Um, it'll slow down a lot of people. Maybe not the, 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 the people who are really intent on doing something they shouldn't be, but I, I actually like that as a method, like just sort of flagging it, giving someone a tap on the shoulder kind of beforehand. Now, with the, the, the Aces full case, like one would like to think um, that there was a very kind of good cause for this. Like, like betting moves... They, they aren't really enough to justify um, taking them out. Like There are betting moves every day of the week and horse racing prices in particular are, are very volatile. Um, they're not like sports betting prices. Like, you know, they're not like, um, I don't know, whoever's playing in Champions League tonight. Like Horses move from 10 to 1 to 2 to 1 all the time and the other, the other way too. Um, and sometimes they're for very genuine reasons. Something's been missed. Um, 
and sometimes they are for sinister reasons. Now, we don't know which the case is here, but I think the big problem with the BHA is not necessarily what they've done, it's kind of the vacuum they've left in terms of information kind of afterwards, and it's led to all kinds of speculation, some of it more credible than others. Um, like the rights and wrongs of taking the horse out are very much open to debate, but it's the lack of info since, I suppose, and that possible precedent um, that it has set um, over the next wee while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on. Air preview time, a look ahead to Saturday, as I've kept promising on this show. Um, we've got the Scottish National, obviously, the Scottish champion hurdle and the future champions novices chase as well. Um, Barry, let's bring you back in here. We will kick off with the Scottish National itself, where Kitty's Light currently heads the betting at 7-2. to two. Monbeg Genius in there at 9-2. to two. Your own story at 8. Flower of Scotland at 12. Uh, competitive, as you would expect, but we've seen this time and time again, Christian Williams with a horse like this in this sort of race, Kitty's light at the top of the market. Are you going away from him at this stage? Yeah, she she was very impressive the last day and she was, you know, she's been really well campaigned. Um, but no, I like Munbeg Genius and John Joe in a stay and chase. John Joe is brilliant. <laughs> um, this was third behind uh, Carl Grambler in the Ultima, only beaten two and a half lengths. Um, possibly... You could have delayed his, his challenge a little bit later, might have helped him, wasn't going to beat the winner, but it was a good run. He's three from five over fences, so I still think there's potential for improvement in this fella. Pedigree would suggest, he's by Shan Tour, the Supreme Leader Mayor, Pedigree would suggest that he would get further, so um, he would be the one for me. The other was Oscar Elite, who was 14 lengths back um, in the Ultima as well, uh, when fifth. Likewise, got a little bit competitive early. Um, and probably just didn't see it out brilliantly but if you go back in his form he was second to Vanilla in the Albert Bartlett and was third behind the High Senor in the Seft in the same season so he should stay well um, that was a good run and I think there's potential for better at a fancy price on him but for me if I, if I had my choice I'd go with Mountbeg Genius OK couple of throws of the darts at the board in the Scottish National for Barry what about you Tony has anything jumped out that's the wrong price or in with a very obvious chance not, not really. I had a bit of a look at it, but I don't think this would really be my strong suit. Not that many Irish horses involved. Kitty's like, it is, it's, it's, it's a gelding, isn't it? I know they're trying to bloody confuse us with the names and yeah. name of this horse. Yeah, no, I've been caught more times with this horse. Look, very obvious claims, £3 lower than what he was in his last year and £5 lower than the Tour de Hewick in the, the race at Sandown, obviously. Of the Irish horse, I do think Melina Gale might still have a bit of upside over these uh, staying trips. She was just maybe find her jumping coming under a little bit of pressure there when running in the um against the likes of Allegory Devastia in places like Torless. But when she went up and tripped there for the Ulster National down Patrick travelled and jumped much better um and uh, beat another novice mare that you know would have looked to improve for going up and trip and would have been unexposed. So if she takes her chance uh, I think she'd have a bit of a, ch a bit of a life anyway of hitting the frame. Okay, and Tony, we'll stick with you for the Scottish champion hurdle. And um, the Mean Lion is your eleven to two favourite for the Kerry Lee team. Colonel Mustard in there at sixes. Isio in there at sixes. Those are your top sort of three uh, in the betting. Colonel Harry as well at eight to one. Soaring Glory nines. Um, very competitive renewal of this race. But again, is is there an obvious uh, bet in this race for you with those ball sports prices? I did give Karen Buster. I think he, he definitely deserves his position there at the top of the market. He was toured in, in, in a hot county hurdle last year. Statement obviously has come out of it, won all the grade ones. The likes of First Street, Bally Adam have done it no harm since. Um, he was off 140 in that. He's 145 now, but but he's shaped like he may well be ahead of that mark on the Kelso run. I'd say he's paid for um, 
making his move plenty soon enough there and been mugged late on by Benson. Now, I know, I think he picked up a little bit of a, a scrape or a knock afterwards, but the, the trainer was saying today that he, he's, um, he, he's okay for this race. And look, it, it's probably going to be a bit weaker than and a smaller field size than maybe something like the county hall. So I think he's got a favourite chance and should go well. Okay, six to one currently. Uh, Barry, anything for you in this race? Yeah, I like Newman uh, Lane. I thought good performance um, in Kelso last time. Two from four. Um, it's a competitive race, but you know, air is a very sharp track and a quick track. And for me, it just needs something that might be just slightly added a handicapper. And I think at that two from four over hurdles, le- relatively unexposed, uh, up four pound for the last win. I think there's potential for more, and I think you need a horse with that little bit of potential. So I'd be, I'd be just for me, I'd be worried about a lot of them. Would they just have the natural pace that's needed for what would probably be good ground at air on Saturday? So, um, I'd be happy to take a take a punt on the favourite. Okay, eleven to two with Boyle Sports as we talk right now. And Barry, what about the future champion novices? Chase Balco Coastal is five to two at the top of the market with Boyle Sports. McFabulous, not always look the most straightforward horse. Three to one. Not long till not long May. Three to one. Uh, Thunder Rock at sixes, hanging there at sevens. Um, again, obviously we're doing this a few days out, but um, Balco Coastal is he a worthy favourite for a race like this? I'm not so sure. I was I was more in in uh, the not long till May camp. A good second um, behind Stage Star and the Turners. Obviously, Stage Star let that down slightly in entry, but Paul Nichols reporting to run flat, and it looked that way. Um, but not long now, not long till May, should I say? Had won its previous four. This was a big step up at Cheltenham, but it looks like a horse still has that bit of potential. Um, so I think if we can back up with Cheltenham run, uh, will be the one for me. Okay, and Tony, last word to you on that race. Um, not long till May for for Barry at threes. Anything else in there that you want to give a mention to? Just give a mention to tell me something, Gerard, who wouldn't be usual for Henry de Bromhead to have too many runners at this meeting, but I'm not sure there's an obvious mayor's only race for her, so maybe he thinks that maybe a bit of nice ground might suit her. Her jumping early on over fences was was very very moderate but it, it was better the last day behind Braids Hill um, they have persisted with her and, and she has sharpened up a bit so I, I think again look at it just interesting to see how she goes rather than necessarily than fancying her out of the way okay interest there uh, lads thank you very much as always much enjoyed recording this show obviously Aintree debrief and a quick look ahead to air uh, always a joy with you guys and that about wraps up proceedings join us again next week where we will be looking at Punchestown of course and it's our last episode of this season of Off the Fence so just one more week to go and there'll be plenty to get stuck into next week ahead of that Mammoth Festival at Punchestown so stay tuned for that but for now thank you very much for watching As always, that was Off the Fence. Boyle Sports has it all. Money back meetings every day. UK and Irish racing live streaming. Extra places and money back all losers offers. And a bet 10, get 20 welcome offer. Boyle Sports, this is betting.